What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to Arrowhead Live Podcast. This is our first episode of our new series of podcasts here on Arrowhead Live and the first episode of The Degenerate, where we'll talk about some betting throughout the NFL, also just betting in general, more along the lines of Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk a little bit of fantasy as well. I am Johnny Kane. Joining me is Dustin Gosa. Dustin was alongside last year for the end of the Chiefs Super Bowl run, where they end up picking up the Super Bowl 54 victory over the San Francisco 49ers, 31-20. to And Well, Dustin, that was just an exciting year last year an exciting end of this season and it's kind of still surreal that the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions yeah it's a it's an awesome feeling especially late in that game you know with seven minutes to go we're down 10 everybody knew we could do it everybody knew we had the firepower to do it but you you can't tell me that you didn't have a little bit of doubt everybody had that little bit of doubt in them but you know the boys dug deep so glad Patrick Mahomes on our team and Andy Reid's our coach they really I mean dug deep and got that win for us yeah, Patrick Mahomes being, we've talked about that so many times over the last couple of years, just the things he's been able to do. But being able to say that, that Patrick Mahomes is our starting quarterback, that's something that a lot of teams are right now dreaming and hoping that their team can find the next Patrick Mahomes. And to be honest, I don't know if there is going to be in the next Patrick Mahomes for a little while. He just does things that quarterbacks aren't supposed to be able to do. Yeah, and it seems like everybody, like you said, is trying to find that, that new Patrick Mahomes. But it is finding that diamond in the rough, you know, that Tom Brady in the sixth round type player. We just happened to, to find him early in the first round and took advantage of his talent before anybody else could. And, you know, when you have somebody that isn't afraid to take chances and they have the arm strength that he does, like he said, he just started learning how to disguise and read defenses. And that's scary for the NFL. I mean, this could be the Chiefs league for the next, you know, 10, 15 years as long as he's in red. I think that's the big reason, too, this year that you saw a lot of different things around the league as far as quarterback switching teams, teams making trades on draft night, teams picking a lot of quarterbacks. I, I really do think that strictly because of the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes that teams realize they're going to have to try to do some different things to combat what the Chiefs can do. Yeah, it seems like every year the Super Bowl champion, everybody tries to copy at least a little bit of their game or what they like to do. And I think a lot of teams are really moving that way on offense I mean one team to look at and not that I like talking about the Oakland Raiders too much well Las Vegas Raiders now but I really think that they went out in the first round and got uh, Henry Ruggs from Alabama I really think that the only reason they made that pick was because they're trying to match the speed on the field uh, with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs I mean, I think a lot of teams did that. I mean, you just look at it, what the AFC West in general did this year with all the changes that we saw, we've seen so far with quarterback switching teams and new quarterback, rookie quarterbacks coming in, young guys. I, I, I think even the teams in the AFC West know that it's becoming to where if you're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't think you're going to stop them. You're just going to have to try to outscore them. Yeah, and I think it comes to a, a lot of the free agents' minds, especially with the quarterbacks. Do you really want to go to the AFC West and have to play, you know, Patrick Mahomes, especially these quarterbacks that are getting towards their later years, you know, like Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, people like that. Do you really want to be in there with a young kid who's, you know, 23, 24 and is going to be in the league for hopefully another 10, 12, 15 years? So I really think that makes a, a huge factor on what your division looks like. Do you really want to have to play certain teams, you know, two times a year so? I think uh, all in all, John, with the free agency and trades, I really like where the Chiefs stand as as well as the league in general. It's, it looks like it's going to be a lot of great competition coming up here in the next couple of years. Yeah, we'll talk about 2020 NFL win totals heading into next year. We'll also t- 
catch on the Super Bowl favorites for next year as well. Before we get to that, let's go back to the Super Bowl. We kind of hinted at it when we first went on here, but looking back at that Super Bowl, I mean, there was a lot of bets that did cash and a lot of strong favorites that cash, but there was also some bad beats as well. I know you had a couple of them yourself. Yeah, this year the the Super Bowl started off kind of uh, kind of slow for me, but it ended up being being pretty good. The last couple have been kind of good to me. Uh, we're just going to talk about some wins and some of the losses here, John. Uh, some of the wins that we had had for the Super Bowl was uh, the Chiefs minus one and a half, uh, like we had talked about it just briefly earlier. You know, we were down 10 with seven minutes to go. You know, the Chiefs just winning in general kind of looked a, a little faint, especially with San Francisco having the ball. So for the Chiefs to pull that one out, that was huge. Uh, the Blake Bell one reception, uh, that came, I believe, in the third quarter just out of nowhere on a little hitch route and – I, I know I jumped in the air for that one. That was a pretty good one. Uh, the Orange Gatorade cash. Uh, I could tell when I was watching the YouTube video of the, the mic'd up Super Bowl when they were talking about all the, the Gatorades and the coach that had came over said told Travis Kelsey, I got that Gatorade cooler so full, and they showed it was as orange later. As soon as that was dumped on Andy Reid, I was, I was happy. And just uh, for the Chiefs to come back and win and still for the under to cash – because I was on the Chiefs heavy and, and had the under. I also had the alter- alternative line. I really thought the uh, the under was was gone once they started just putting the points on the board. But all in all, those were some pretty pretty good wins, pretty notable wins for me. Uh, and, yeah, you I mean, you look at the total, too, with 53.5. I think a lot of people looked at that and didn't know heading into the game what it was going to look like because you had what looked like to be the unstoppable force that was the Chiefs' offense, which in the end it ended up proving to be the thing that won the Chiefs' the Super Bowl was the offense, and then going against that San Francisco 49ers defense, I think that was kind of the one number that a lot of people weren't quite sure about. And I think even, you know, just us talking back and forth, and that was the one kind of total and talking to some other guys in the betting community just – that was seemed like one of the biggest question marks heading into the Super Bowl. Yeah, it just had, had seemed uh, like you were gonna pick a side. Did you you know Did you like San Francisco in the under? Did you like the Chiefs with the over? It it kind of played a, a huge role in which side you went. I did like the the Chiefs, but I did like the under on the total because I did think it was gonna be a, a knockdown drag out. I didn't think the Chiefs were gonna go in there and score you know forty forty five points and San Francisco try to keep up. So. I'm glad that it, you know, it was a close Super Bowl, and it wasn't, you know, too low scoring like the the previous one with New England and Los Angeles. But I, all in all, I thought it was a uh, good entertainment, and uh, I'm glad uh, the under hit, but we still won. And the Chiefs need also with that minus one and a half as well. I mean, like you said, we were down ten with it with about seven minutes to go. You looked at that, you probably could have got something on a live bet that would have been even bigger than that. So I, I think that's something that we're going to talk about as we head forward, especially in this season here on The Degenerate, just talking about some things that you can look for. It's not necessarily just before a game. It's possibly even end game that you might look at and it's something that you could really make some good money on. Yeah, that was one thing. Uh, you're always looking more and more. And I mean, there are some times where you're looking into the game as a team's down by so many points and Oh, I'm going to throw you know a couple of dollars here, a couple of dollars there, just because there's some, some really good odds out there. But very few times do you find a team like the Kansas City Chiefs where there is no deficit, really, that they can't, can't match up to. And time really isn't an issue when they score by the, you know, the time you wipe your nose after you sneeze. You know? So I really think uh, with teams like that, teams that are special like that, live betting is, is just as good, if not better, than betting before the game in general. 
And you look at that too. That to me, that's could be a team like the Chiefs could be a thing that maybe changes what casinos in Vegas look at as far as when they put live lines on a team like the Chiefs that you would normally think, you know, down ten in that situation, there's no way they're going to come back. But a team like the Chiefs showing how many times how they did come back after being in big deficits. I think. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like I, that's going to maybe change some things in Vegas. Yeah, I think they definitely looked into that, especially when the previous games before. Uh, the Houston Texans game and the Tennessee Titans game, especially the Houston Texans game, I bet those odds, live betting, had to skyrocket. They were thinking, you know, the Chiefs are, are dead to rights here. And then we had the huge second quarter, and a lot of people that, you know, had already thrown the money down on the Chiefs were looking good, and Vegas was sitting there, you know, smacking themselves in the head for, you know, why would we put that, that money so high? We're Money line so high, we're going to get killed here. Um, even when they had like the Chiefs plus 10, plus 14 points, you know, that was easy money after the second quarter. You were thinking, oh, the Chiefs are definitely going to stay within 14, 16 points here. So, like you said, I really think Vegas is considering those odds and they consider how great that, that team actually was offensively to where they could score at will and uh, the defense was just good enough to get some stops for them. And in the Super Bowl, just like every other game, of course, there's always some bad beats. I know there was a couple big ones in the Super Bowl, and I know there's a couple that you looked up and a couple that maybe you even had. What were a couple of those that you looked at? Uh, some of them I looked at, John, and they were some of them that were very, very interesting and, and heartbreaking, honestly. Uh, the first one I can think of is Patrick Mahomes' rushing yards. Uh, he was well over his rushing total. I forgot what the number was. I think it was like 34, 35 yards, something like that. He was well over it at around 49, 50 yards rushing. And those last three plays before he threw the Hail Mary to win, just to throw the ball up to run the timeout, those last three rushes he took about six, seven yards back before he kneeled the ball. And he actually went under at most sports books. Uh, like I said, I think it was 34, 35. He ended up at like 33, 32 or 33. So I know there was a lot of people pulling their hair out when they thought they had won that one, had, he had it cashed in the bag, and he just kept running backwards. Uh, another one was the second half under. Uh, when you're looking at the second half under, you know, at halftime, you're thinking, you know, this is a knockdown, dragout fight. Nobody is really looking uh, forward to a lot, of, a lot of points in the second half. So a lot of people were betting on the under heavy in the second half. And then uh, Damian Williams crushed that with his last touchdown. Uh, all he needed was the first down, and he took it to the house. And I really, I really think, you know, there was a lot of people there, especially if you were a Niners fan or somebody like that who had bet on the under. You were just hoping, you know, courtesy-wise he would have fell down. But you're in the Super Bowl. You're only up four points. You can go up by double digits with the score. And not only that, Damian Williams, he wanted that MVP, which I think a lot of people will agree. He might have got snubbed. He probably did get snubbed. He more than deserving to be the MVP of the Super Bowl. But obviously Patrick Mahomes, he led the comeback, so he ended up taking home Super Bowl MVP honors. But I think there's a lot of people that even look at it and say that Williams, he, he scored that touchdown to try to get the MVP, and he probably should have gotten the MVP. Yeah, and I, lo I love Patrick Mahomes. I, I can't say that he didn't, didn't deserve it, but at the same time, watching Damian Williams, you know, two touchdowns and made a lot of great plays in the Super Bowl. I mean, the MVP betting before the game is always a toss-up. You never know who's going to play the best. But if you had a Damian Williams ticket and it, it didn't cash, you know, you're you're pretty upset about that one. Um, the last one I got for you, John, is just the, the 49ers plus one and a half. You know, they're two-point underdogs, basically. They're up 10 with seven minutes left and can't find a way to cash, couldn't find a way to cash their, their money line or their uh, point spread in the second half either. And it's just got to be be heartbreaking. Even if you didn't have a, a dog in the fight and you were betting on the team strictly from a statistical standpoint, 
I, I think that's that's one of the crushing ones. You know, being up 10, 7 minutes left in the football game with the ball, you should be able to run most of that clock out and call it a game. But you never knew with this Kansas City Chiefs team. And now looking ahead, based off of last year's Super Bowl, I mean, those two teams, the Chiefs and the 49ers, they're two, the two favorites heading in to the 2020 season, and for good reason, because both teams basically return everybody. I mean, the Chiefs, looking ahead at them, they return 20 of, of the 22 starters, realistically 21 of the 22 because you have Juan Thornhill coming back after off that injury from last year. So really you return 21 of 22 starters. And for good reason, the Chiefs are the favorites to win the Super Bowl heading into next year. They're around plus 400, plus 500 in different spots. And 49ers, they're basically the high and away favorites to win the NFC and make it back to the Super Bowl, and for good reason. Yeah, John, with the, the Kansas City Chiefs, like you were saying, they're returning majority of their starters, and I really think this is one of those those deals where you are looking at what the Patriots have modeled for the past couple of years where they they always reload. There's always, you know, that 10, 12, 10 to 12 win season. They're going to the playoffs, fighting for a one or two seed because they return a lot of those starters, and even if they don't return a starter they lose somebody to free agency or a trade, they can replace that. And I think the Chiefs are in a really good position here Uh to, to hit their number this year and end up back in the, the same scenario. And like you said, with the 49ers, that defense is, is tremendous. Uh, I know the last ten or seven, ten minutes of that game didn't, didn't really show it. Uh, but all year long, you know, they've been able to hold teams down to, you know, 150, 180 yards passing. And if you can do that in this league, yeah, I mean, you're going to tear some teams up. And especially in the NFC, NFC West – I think they're they're a really good shot to to make the playoffs and have another shot at going to the Super Bowl. And you look at just the numbers heading into next year, just for kind of some future odds as they set right now. I mean, the Chiefs are plus four hundred, plus five hundred, as mentioned, and then you have the Ravens basically right there. They're plus six fifty, and then after that, Forty Nine plus seven hundred. After that, then it's really kind of drops off. You have the Saints at plus eleven hundred, the Cowboys plus twelve, along with the Buccaneers as well, and the Bucks. They're a team that. I look at, they're kind of hard to read heading into next year. I mean, obviously, you bring in Tom Brady, Gronk comes back as well, and you have a pretty decent defense, but that offensive line, that's still, that offensive line has got to scare you a little bit if you're on the Bucks bandwagon heading into next year. It just seems like they are a team that you look at it, and they're really a hard team to read heading into the next year. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know about you, but when Tom Brady announced that he was going to Tampa Bay, it was really a, a, a surprise to me. I thought he was looking... Uh, elsewhere but yeah Tampa Bay is a hard team to read especially when you look at their their win total it's right at a nine nine and a half somewhere around there and you're thinking oh well there's you know wins there there's wins on the schedule it really favors them and they have Tom Brady they have Gronk you know Mike Evans Godwin's still there uh, Cameron Brate they're they're looking around and there's all these offensive weapons that they're trying to mold defense is pretty solid uh, but you never know how these teams are going to fit into a system and they still have to go play New Orleans twice a year who have you know, Michael Thomas, uh, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, they have some some great teams in the, the NFC South and just the NFC in general. So looking at their win totals, looking at Tampa Bay, it's kind of kind of hard to judge them right now. They, to me, seem kind of like what the Cleveland Browns were heading into last year. There was so much hype and so much anticipation for all the moves that the Browns did. Does, do you kind of get that same feel that it is kind of the feeling of the Browns and kind of what they went through last year? Yeah, before the season started, the Browns were actually the most well, most heavily bet on team to win the Super Bowl or to even make the Super Bowl because their odds favored them and they tried to stack that offense as much as they could with receivers, you know, offensive linemen, tight ends, quarterbacks and it 
their offense did look good. Defense look, um, looked pretty decent. But then, you know, you have other teams emerging out, like I had just mentioned with New Orleans being in the same division as uh, Tampa Bay. You know, the Baltimore Ravens came out of nowhere. They were only supposed to win, you know, nine or ten games, according to Vegas last year, and they almost had the number one seed. So, uh, like I said, it, it's kind of a, just a, a week-by-week basis thing. But it you do have a good model right there, John, thinking of uh, comparing them as well with the, with the Cleveland Browns' offensive power and trying to build a team just like that. And you mentioned the Baltimore Ravens. They were a team last year that you could have really cashed some money on if you would have took their win total because, as you mentioned, they were – just expected to win around six, and their win total was a six and a half last year. Or excuse me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their list last year was six and a half. They end up winning seven, so it's a little bit different this year. But yeah, for the Ravens, I mean, you looked at them. They were projected to win eight and a half, nine games, and they end up winning twelve, and or excuse me, end up winning fourteen of their regular season games, and that was a big one. I think that maybe this year, obviously Vegas. Thinks it's going to be about the same. They have an 11 and a half win, so taking a little bit of a dip down. I think a lot of people think that maybe Lamar Jackson will drop off a little bit than what he did from his MVP season a year ago. But the Ravens, they were a team last year that you really could have made some money on. Yeah, and the Ravens were so heavily powered on both sides of, of the offense, you know, with passing and uh, rushing. They were the only team that had averaged 200 yards passing and rushing uh, on the year. So it was really hard to, to gauge their attack point, whether you wanted to, you know, guard the, the run more, guard the pass more. And, I mean, Lamar Jackson, Heisman winner, great, great quarterback. There's nobody nobody like him in the league as well. I mean, we, we, we talk about Patrick Mahomes and his arm strength and how good he is as a quarterback. But Lamar Jackson just as a playmaker, I mean, he was somebody that you would like on any team. And even if you're not a fan of a particular team, there you are fans of particular players, and he's a player you see him on the field making plays. It's hard to just not stop and just say, wow, almost every single time. So looking at Baltimore uh, this year, they're right around 11 and a half wins. And I seen, uh, John, I was looking into a couple things. After week two, I'm pretty sure it's week two or week three this year. Baltimore doesn't leave the East Coast until the playoffs, no. if they happen to go to the playoffs. So that that really helps a lot with their their travel. And I know a lot of teams are like, oh, well, it's just travel. You have a week to travel and stuff. Well, when you have Thursday night games, you have Monday night games that turn back into Sunday games. You only have six days. Those, those short days where you don't have to travel across the entire coast and waste a whole day, those, those mean a lot. So I really think Baltimore is right on track to be up there a 12-13 win team again. And now looking ahead also to the Chiefs for next year, is this the year that people finally stop trying to pick other teams to beat the Chiefs in the AFC West? It just kind of seems that way when you look at the odds. The Chiefs are around minus 400, minus 500 to win the AFC West, and for good reason, won it four years in a row. But it feels like that this year is that finally that year that everybody's like, okay, just pick the Chiefs to win the AFC West and go from there. Yeah, I think it's, like you said, there's too many people that are, oh, the Chiefs aren't going to do it this year. It's going to be the Broncos or it's going to be – or the, the Chargers or the Raiders. When we go ahead and look at it, it's the same thing that you know, Tom Brady, I hate comparing myself to the to the Patriots because, I mean, I hate them more than anybody. But you look at it that way, the Patriots, year in, year out, 12, 13, 14, 17 years straight, they won that division. And now there's a fighting chance in the AFC East, finally, now that Tom Brady's out of there. But I think that is what you're looking at in the, the AFC West right now is you're looking at a juggernaut and then, until another team can be built the same way as the Chiefs or to the same model as the Chiefs, I don't think they have a, a chance. They might have chances to win games. I don't think they have a chance to win the, the division itself. 
Yeah, looking at the odds for the AFC West, this is on Bovada. The Chiefs are minus 425 to win the AFC West. Broncos are plus 900. The Chargers are plus 850, and the Raiders are plus 1,000. And this just this AFC West in general, there's so many questions heading into next year as well because, I mean, you look at the Broncos, they have the young quarterback, Drew Locke, brought in a couple weapons. Chargers, new quarterback, rookie quarterback, as Phillip Rivers has left. So that they're changing of the guard there for L.A. and the Chargers. Then the Raiders... Raiders, you just never know what you're going to get from the Raiders. I mean, they they seem like they should have been so good the last couple of years, but they've underachieved. And this this AFC West just seems like it's up for grabs as far as everybody else after the Chiefs. It seems like there could be any team that finishes second in that division, but there's just so many question marks heading into this year. Yeah, like you said, I think Denver's trying to uh, put all their eggs in the same basket with, with Drew Locke, and they put as much firepower around him saying, hey, we're going to give you all the opportunities in the world to try to win yourself a contract, maybe make the playoffs. I think that's where they're going with that. Uh, the Chargers, like you said, they're trying to figure out you know, the post Philip River era. Are they going to go with Tyrod Taylor? Are they going with a new young quarterback? Uh, what are they going to look like? Their defense is still pretty solid, but what's that offense going to look like, especially if you're trying to play catch-up against teams like the Chiefs or the Broncos? And then the Raiders, like you said, it seems like they're one of those underachieving teams. They can mark a number down for seven or eight wins a year, and they seem like they've been going under a lot lately. And they're having a little quarterback controversy too because, you know, Derek Carr, Mr. Checkdown, and Marcus Mariota, I feel like they're going to be fighting a lot for, for playing time and who's going to be the starter there. Uh, so, like you said, a lot of questions in the AFC West outside of uh, Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, I think it'll just be exciting. and I'm, I'm very excited to see Las Vegas' its new stadium, though. Yeah, that, that's something that I think that a lot of people are looking forward to seeing and just kind of how the Raiders do look making that move to Las Vegas, how things are kind of shape up there. But looking at just the win totals, it kind of tells the story right there. The Chiefs right now are at 11.5 on wins heading into 2020, and then it drops all the way down. The Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers are all at 7.5 on their win totals heading into next year. Is there any of those from those three teams other than the Chiefs that you might look at as something that looks a little intriguing to you? Um. Really, out of the, the other three teams, uh, I think Denver has a good chance of, of going over if their offense can compete. Uh, the defense of the Chargers should hold them in a lot of games as well, so they're going to be right around that seven mark. I don't, I'm personally not a big fan of the Raiders at seven and a half. I know they're trying to build the offense up, but with Derek Carr as your quarterback or Marcus Mariota, it's kind of hard to, to figure they're going to score points. I think a lot of the, the number here is inflated because they do have a new stadium. What's it going to look like? Is it going to be look like the black hole in Oakland? You know, are teams going to be in, in awe because it's a new stadium they're playing in? Or are teams going to walk in there and say, hey, let's put on a show in this new stadium, you know, for somebody to, or for ESPN to look at? I know in week two, I believe they have the Monday night football game against New Orleans. So, you know, are teams going to go in there and ready to, ready to run and gun and put up some points because it is a new stadium? Or, you know, is that a fear factor? You know, you're walking into the new black hole. I, I'm personally not a big fan of the Raiders at seven and a half. I, I'd go under with them. And that's something that we haven't talked about yet, but with everything going on with the COVID-19 pandemic going on around the country, it's, you talked about having fans in the stands. This is the, First of all, is the season going to start on time? And when will fans be allowed to go into stadiums? And will that play a big difference? Because I think when you look at some of these win totals, I think that crowds do play a big factor. I mean, you look at a team – like maybe even the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens, they always talk about how good the last year, especially how much of a home field advantage they had with the fans and out there, even Kansas City. I mean, places like that. Is that going to make that big of a difference, do you think, when some of these win totals heading into next year? I mean, these are things that you really have to look at now. 
Yeah, I think it, it does play a, a huge factor, and I think a lot of it comes down to uh, the home team usually gets the advantage on defense when they're, you know, uh, the other team's backed up to their own goal line. It's, it's a big third down play, stuff like that. So the stadiums that do get loud, you know, Baltimore Ravens Stadium, Arrowhead, uh, the bank, places like that, the places that generally have that uh, persona behind them of the fandom – kind of scaring teams or you know making them uh, a little iffy on play calls and and such I think that will play a huge difference if there are no fans in the stands or limited fans in the stands because these offenses that are really good on third down and five six or so a lot of the crowd noise causes miscommunication or false snap false start stuff like that so if there's none of that you know can Patrick Mahomes you know he walks into the black hole with no fans yelling screaming at him yeah, I mean, if he has plenty of time to communicate with Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Michael Hardman, uh, Clyde, everybody, I think they can call up the right play, dial up a nice audible. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that can do that. So I think it really favors the offenses and the overs in a lot of these games. And I feel like I just have to make this joke, but do you think the Chargers are kind of happy there might not be fans in the stands just for the simple <laughs> fact of they feel like even on their home games the past few years they've been the away team. you got to think the Chargers might be a little happy about that even if there aren't fans, huh? Yeah, it's it's kind of bad. They weren't they weren't filling the, the soccer stadium they were playing in, so – uh, I don't. I don't think it'll play too much of a of a toll on them. But the teams that are showing up, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand strong. I think, I think it's going to hurt the fans more than than anybody. I know a lot of the, a lot of fans will tell you they'd rather sit at home and watch it because of replay and you know what the instant call is and stuff. But the experience of just going to the stadium and you know tailgating, watching the game, the drive home, the camaraderie of other fandom. I, I really think that's going to play a toll on fans this year because. I mean, let's face it, who doesn't like going to a, a good game, football, baseball, basketball? Watching it in person is, in my opinion, better than watching it on, on TV. And I think a lot of Chiefs fans will even tell you that just with the whole playoff run and having those games at Arrowhead, how expensive it was to get in and watch that game. It was definitely those playoff games were what fans wanted to go watch and see. I mean, end up being very great games for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chiefs fans as well. But now let's go ahead and look. We're going to shift ahead and wrap things up here. We'll just look at some other win totals around the NFL heading into next year. Is there any that stick out to me? I know one that we've kind of talked about before we started here was the Cincinnati Bengals. Their win total right now is at five. And, you mean, you bring in a guy like Joe Burrow, T. Higgins. You have a few offensive weapons on that team. That might be one of those sleeper ones that you just throw a couple bucks on for the over. Yeah, I think that one's a toss-up. It's hard to think about them going up against the Ravens, but – they have a, a pretty strong rivalry with with Pittsburgh. I think they can steal one there. You know, looking at the rest of their schedule, I think you can pick point pinpoint a couple games that they could definitely you know pull out. Uh, Joe Burrow's offensive rookie of the year projected numbers are right at over under thirty seven hundred yards. So they, as it looks, uh, Vegas is saying that he's going to you know throw all over the place for I mean being a rookie. So you look at those numbers and just compare it with what offenses he had and the team that he has around him, I really think that they can put up some numbers on offense and hopefully the defense can make some stops into to getting some of these wins. Then it, just looking at kind of things overall in general, we talked about the AFC West teams, the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Chargers at seven and a half wins. But the one number I see, Houston Texans, eight wins after being in the AFC championship game a year ago, but Houston just at eight heading into next year. Yeah, Houston's uh, a little iffy. I really think that they lost probably a – a game, maybe even a game and a half half with the DeAndre Hopkins thing. 
you take away your your number one option at receiver, and you don't really replace him with much. And you, I mean, how do you feel if you're Deshaun Watson, thinking you know that was that's my number one guy. Now I have to go elsewhere with these. I don't think if they get into shootouts with teams like Kansas City or I mean even in their own division with Indy and Tennessee, I don't think they're going to come out on top in a lot of those games. Then also one other team that I kind of look at that might be one to look at and look into is maybe the Seattle Seahawks. I feel like they've kind of underachieved the last couple of years, and their win total right now is 9.5. They finished 9-7 and seven a year ago. That might be one of those teams. Excuse me, they were 11-5 and five a year ago. But the Seahawks, they're a team that, I don't know, they just they don't seem to impress you that much. But then they have do have Russell Wilson and some well, offensive weapons. But they just seem like a team that have underachieved a little bit the last couple of years And after they went on that run where they did go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it seems like that defense is, I shouldn't say falling apart, but it's not up to the same tier that it was for those two Super Bowl runs that they had. Uh, but Seattle right at nine and a half. I think that's a, a good number for them. I don't know if they're going to go over by any means, especially with teams like Arizona uh, and San Francisco getting a lot better over there in the uh, the NFC West. Uh, but like you said, they've kind of underachieved a little bit. Uh, Russell Wilson is a, is a great quarterback, and I think that they do have the weapons on offense. But uh, I did see that the Seattle Seahawks have to travel the most out of uh, any team this year. They have the most flight time and the most miles. So we'll see if that takes a, tool, a toll on them and uh, kind of take it from there. And then the very last one here, the, we mentioned earlier the 49ers being heavy favorites to get back to the Super Bowl. Their win totals at 10.5, and, and last year they went 13-3. and three. So the 49ers, is that maybe one that you might look at the over just for the simple fact of what all they do return and how hungry they're going to be to try to get back to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I know they're going to be – you know, wreaking havoc, and they they want they want revenge. They want to make it to the the Super Bowl and show everybody, you know, we deserve to be here. I think you know that defense is going to keep them in a lot of games and win them a lot of games. So ten and a half, it looks like a breeze. Um, another team that I think is right up there is uh, the New Orleans Saints. There's that ten and a half. In my opinion, I think they're the most complete team in football. Uh, when it came up to their first round draft pick this year, I was looking at it and I said, where do you go when? Your team's set. You you have a good roster. You can kind of pick and choose where you want to go. You don't have to pick a certain position, and you can pick the best available player. So I think the Saints and Niners are both uh, in really good position to go go over their win totals. Uh, one thing I was looking at, John, I wanted your opinion on this. What do you think about the AFC East this year? They have the Patriots and the Bills both at nine wins. And then you look down, you have the Dolphins at six wins, and uh, the Jets are at six and a half wins. You see anything there? I don't. It's that's the one that's kind of up in the air, just for the simple fact of the Patriots without having Tom Brady and that that thing that you always look at, that consistent, just always going to be their winning mentality. Is Jared Stidham really the guy that the Patriots are looking forward to? Because you look at it, the Patriots are plus one thirty right now to win the East. The Buffalo Bills they're plus one twenty. So actually, the Bills heading in, according to Bovada, they're the favorites heading in next year to win that division and take away the throne from the Patriots but yeah I'm, I'm kind of with you that's the one division that's the most up in the air for me just because for the simple fact of you don't know if Buffalo last year was just maybe a little bit of a fluke after going 10 and 6 and doing some good things they did do in the playoffs is that kind of a fluke or do they really have some good pieces in place and possibly getting that stretch where they might be able to take over the east from the Patriots yeah I think they're they're in a really good spot I think Josh Allen's in a Decent quarterback can definitely get them some wins here. I think the true test is with the New England Patriots at the over under nine wins, and like you said, Jared Stedham. 
I think this is going to finally settle the argument on is it Tom Brady or is it Bill Belichick? Who is the main leader of who was the main cog in the machine of what was the New England Patriots? And I think it's really going to show what Bill Belichick knows as a coach. And also down like we were talking in Tampa Bay, you know, they're putting all these weapons around Tom Brady, but is the scheme going to fit? You know, I, li- I like Bruce Arians' scheme, and he's, he's a quarterback whisperer. He's always got that kind of older quarterback, brought him into the system, and, and he's worked out well for him. Uh, so it, I think it is going to be one of those things. You know, is it the teacher or is it the student? And this is going to be the year where we finally see that. And uh, honestly, I hope there is, a, there is somebody else on the throne uh, for the AFC East this year. Sounds like it's shaping up to be what hopefully is starting on time, a fun NFL season for 2020 and the Super Bowl 55 later in February as well. Hope everything stays on track. But we'll get to more things coming up next week on our episode number two of the Degenerate here on the Arrowhead Live podcast series. We'll talk a little bit of fantasy next week. We'll look at some player props as well heading into next year and some Super Bowl MVP favorites, some MVP favorites in general. And kind of look at some more things as we head along. As That's kind of what we'll do here on The Degenerate. We'll look at numbers, especially when the season gets started. We'll look at some futures still. Still a long ways to go before we get to this season, but it's shaping up to be a fun time. I hope you stay tuned with us. Again, this I am Johnny Kane. Dustin Ghost is joining alongside of me. This is The Degenerate on ArrowheadLive.com.